Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Beach. It is a beautiful day in May here in St. Louis. A great day to get outside, enjoy the sunshine, beautiful weather. And there are benefits to that. Lots of benefits. Some you may not even be aware of. Yes, we all know we feel better when we get out and exercise and get some some sunshine as well. Perhaps not too much sunshine. Don't want to get a sunburn, but get out and enjoy that sun. It's a it's a great way to uh, to get healthy and breathe in that fresh air. And uh, it, did you know it can help with other things uh, besides just feeling good? can also help when it comes to matters of cancer, both preventing cancer or if you have experienced cancer. We're going to find out how that can be helpful. We're going to talk with our friends from Cancer Companions in just a moment. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. You can find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. Joining me in studio this morning, our friend Karen Tripp, president of Cancer Companions. Karen, welcome back. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you in studio. We were discussing before the program, we should have done this program outside today. It's so nice here in St. Louis. Uh, After all this rain we've had, it's nice to have some sunshine. And you brought along with you a friend today, Christy Fry, cancer survivor. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. Thanks for coming along today and uh, sharing your story with us. Looking forward to hearing your story. Thank you. Karen, for our listeners not familiar with Cancer Companions, I know we talk about it uh, from time to time here on Faith and Family. Give us a little history of and and what the organization is about. Sure. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and basically ended up having a three-year grant from Lutheran Foundation here in St. Louis to do Christian cancer support groups all over town. And when we got to the end of the three years, I really felt like the Lord was saying, you know, Karen, you should take all that stuff you learn and teach other people. And so that's basically what we do. We go into churches and we train volunteers how to start Christian cancer support groups and how to meet with folks one-to-one as they're going through their cancer journey. And we have devotionals and videos and Bible studies and all kinds of things to help them do that. And this has turned into a network across the country now, right? Yes, it has. We're in 21 states, and we have over 750 volunteers and uh, over 145 churches. And so God's been really good to us. What does that look like in a church? How is support for cancer patients and their families, what does that look like in the, the congregational setting? Well, in the congregational setting, what we're doing with these volunteers is we're teaching them how to walk with somebody through their cancer journey. A lot of times you'll end up finding out that a person, when they're diagnosed with cancer, they're actually healthier on that day than they're probably going to be for the next 12 months of their lives, even if the treatment only takes six. And so because of that, the tendency is to turn to the church at the time of diagnosis and say, I'm fine. I got this. Uh, which is not necessarily a bad attitude to have, but what do we know about cancer? We know that typically cancer treatment, you'll get to a point where you do need help. You do need support emotionally, physically, all kinds of different ways. And so we train our volunteers to literally step in at that place and walk with them, whether that's, I'm going to send you a text with a Bible verse on it. I'm going to drop notes in the mail to you. I'm going to call you once a week, see if there's something new I can pray for. So that when that time comes that the going gets rough, you know there's a place to turn and that 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 person has devotionals and has Bible studies and has all kinds of ways to talk about Jesus and talk about cancer at the same time. So equipping the saints to serve their neighbors mm-hmm. through acts of love and mercy during a time that may be difficult for them, particularly when facing cancer. As you said, when when you first are diagnosed with cancer, you might be the healthiest you will be for the next six to 12 months because when you're when you're treating that cancer, 
that's when your your body takes a, a pretty heavy toll. Yeah, it's really true. Absolutely. And of course, with us having so many wonderful um, tests that can have early detection now, it's not uncommon for a person to wake up one morning. They just go to get whatever test, that PSA, that pap smear, that whatever that they're getting, and suddenly they end up finding out it's cancer. But they feel fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to help people sort through that emotionals because then the treatment starts to make you sick even if it's making you better. And so it becomes kind of a very twisted path in that way. And I think spiritually, it has lots of um, potential pitfalls. Christy, Karen said, you know, one day you can feel perfectly fine, perfectly healthy, and also have a diagnosis that uh, that you have cancer and that have to treat. Is that what happened? Uh, tell us your story. Is that how it happened for you? Um, yeah, I was 47 years old when I was diagnosed and I was diagnosed in 2010 with rectal cancer and the test for rectal cancer is a colonoscopy, which today is at age 50. So I had never had one. Um, I did not have any of the common, um, symptoms that come with it. Um, I would call it, it was just a God nudge that from various, um, ways that I ended up with my primary saying, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong, but let's do a colonoscopy just to check. And I remember going to the gal who now does all my colonoscopies and she said, why are you here? You don't have any symptoms. You don't have any family history. You're not old enough. Um, and But we did it. And when she came out and sat next to me on my bed, um, I knew there was a problem. And she said, well, now I know why you're here. You have two good-sized tumors in your rectum, and even though I'm not supposed to tell you it's cancer, it's cancer. Um, so, yeah, that day I didn't feel any differently. Um, and I remember waking up the next morning um, and thinking, I have something growing in my body, and now I feel like I feel mm. different. Was it overwhelming? It was, yeah, it was overwhelming, um, as we mentioned earlier, but I, I, there were all kinds of God signs that I saw along the way um, because it was a Friday I was diagnosed, and the next morning when I turned on the TV, there was a walk called the ND5000 that the Colon Cancer Alliance um, does here in St. Louis, and that was only the first, I think that was the first year they had done it. And so I did one of those lovely packs with God that day that said that, you know, if I'm alive a year from now, I'll be walking in that. Um, and this past year, I walked for my seventh year. The uh, th- that's one a way that uh, that increases awareness. That event here in St. Louis, it's a kind of a lighthearted approach. They, they for the participants, I think they give out a pair of boxer shorts with the the, the organization's logo on them, and, and increasing awareness about colon cancer here in the St. Louis area. And they do that all across the country. It's a a fun event. But one of the 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 key aspects of that event is getting out. And getting some exercise as well. Yes. It's a 5K run and a, a fun walk as well. Did you meet other people at the, uh, at the event a year later? I did. Um, you know, along with my family and friends that were there to support me, I, I met a lot of, um, you know, heard survivor stories, which is always encouraging. And I think, you know, very similar to breast cancer. Um, you know, today people aren't afraid to talk about breast cancer. Today people still hinge a little bit on talking about colon cancer or rectal cancer. And so I think, um, you know, until we can talk about it, um, you know, people, it's, you know, that's how we're going to prevent it. So, it, you know, it's a very preventable disease. 
um, there's several things, and one of the big things is exercise. Um, is a, it's the research is done that for colon cancer, um, exercise is a key preventative measure. You bring up a good point that today in in at least in North American culture, we're very uh, pretty comfortable talking about breast cancer awareness research treatment. Um, it's 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 almost common talk in our culture today, but there are other types of cancer that we don't talk about much and we're reluctant to. Karen, why do you think that we're uh, reluctant to talk about various types of cancer? Well, I think that we like to be able to feel that we have control over things we don't have control over, which of course just kind of waters all of us down to having to get to our faith and being able to really acknowledge what we don't have control over. Um, and so being able to turn to the scriptures and being able to turn to prayer and fellowship and those kind of things uh, to be able to cope, I think, becomes really important. Uh, but, yeah, it's easy to be able to find out that a friend, I think this is common, you find out that a friend ended up getting diagnosed with cancer. And what we have a tendency to do is go up and ask them, well, when did you get your test? You know, did you have a mammogram? Did you have the pap smear? Did you have the colonoscopy? Because you want them to say no. You want them to say, I forgot. You want them to say something like that because then you feel like, well, I'm getting mine and I'm all right. Uh, and so we have this tendency, I think, to empower, to put faith into the medical community and into these tests as being the way for us to control whether we're going to have cancer or not. Uh, and of course, there are so many types of cancer that have no test, none whatsoever. And so that really is kind of an illusion once again, of things that we're not talking mm -hmm. about, of all the kinds of cancers you can still get with no test. No preventative screenings for various types of cancer. Exactly. Yeah, the, Not until something shows Dramatic. up, until you have a symptom of, exactly. of some kind. Hmm. So you found out you had cancer. Uh, something nudged you, told you you needed to go get this checked out. You, you have a colonoscopy. They find there's cancer. Where did you go from there once you found out that, uh, you know, from the colonoscopy, there definitely were some some tumors? Um, well, the doctor who did the colonoscopy, I mean, they immediately sent me to get a CAT scan from there. Um, then I talked with my primary who set me up with a surgeon, and I would say that for, I had 10 days to wait to go see the surgeon, but I also felt like, um, again, that was the person who God had sent me to. I asked for recommendations, and this doctor's name came up in three different people's conversations, and it was the only common item. So in those 10 days, I did what everybody does that I tell everybody they shouldn't do. I went to the Internet <laughs> <laughs> um, and Googled colon cancer because at that point I did not realize there was a difference between colon cancer and rectal cancer. And so um, I thought that I had it all under control. I talked to my people at work. Here's what's going to happen when I go to the doctor. They're going to do surgery. They're going to blah, 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 blah. And when I went to see the doctor, the first thing he said to me was, I'm going to introduce you to your radiologist and your medical oncologist because you're going to know them for the next three months before we do surgery. And so, of course, that threw me for a loop because, again, I thought I had it under control. I knew what was going to happen. Um, and found out with rectal cancer, it's completely different how you treat it. You do chemo and radiation prior to shrink the tumors, um, then surgery, and then radiation afterwards. And so um, I kind of broke it down into three stages. And I think that's now that I see how doctors do it, they, they rarely tell you your whole treatment at the beginning because I think it would be way too overwhelming. 
Um, so each stage I was like, okay, we're going to do this piece and get through it. Um, and, you know, at that time I would say that I went, I was pretty regular church attender, um, but, you know, my faith um, changed dramatically um, that first year because um, I'm single, um, never married, no kids. And so I spent a lot of time by myself. And that's when you, you know, for me, um, God was the person who I talked to every day. So who was your support? Who was your, your network? Uh, you're through this struggle. You, you spent time in prayer, obviously. Um, did you have anyone else by your side through your treatment? My mom was my gal. Um, I'm her only child. Um, and so that was tough for her um, and for me both. But um, so she was my main supporter and she had um, retired in, a year before um, and a year earlier than she wanted to. So, you know, again, we look at all the things that God laid out that he knew what was coming down the pipeline. Um, so, you know, she was nine number one, but the rest of my family was very supportive. I had friends. Um, I had people at work. And what I tell people all the time is that, you know, you may have certain people that you think are going to be your supporters and they may disappoint you or, you know, turn out not being. But I would say there was a whole slew of other people who I never expected um, that stepped up and, and filled some gaps. And so, again, um, God took complete care of me, even if it didn't, if it wasn't with the people who I thought it was going to be necessarily. Since mom was the, the closest, did did you see that your relationship changed over time with your mom? Yeah, um, it did. Um, you know, the... That first year, um, I was in treatment for really a complete year from the time I, I was diagnosed March 25th, 2010, and finished um, treatment like on March 5th of 2011. And we all know those dates now. I laugh all the time that, you know, <laughs> like you keep those. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it changed a lot. Um, I would say it took even a more dramatic turn when um, a year later I was, um, I had a reoccurrence. Mm. Um, and so that was probably. Um, the bigger change in our relationship, I would say. How so? Um, because I think that, you know, similar to what Karen talked about, I think we we have this control, um, at least I have this control issue, um, that if I go through and do everything the doctor says, um, then I'm going to be cured. Um, because even though those numbers that are given to you, those must be the people who don't do what they're supposed to. Um, so somewhere you, you know, say that in your head. And so when I was diagnosed, I was told um, I had a 70% chance of survival. And so I was like, that's great. You know, those 30% must be old sick people and that's not me. Um, and so when I came back a year later and we found that it metastasized to my lungs, um, now I had a 30% chance of survival, which meant 70% not. Um, and so we, I just had a real hard conversation that said, well, if I was in the 30% the first time, um, I'm going to be in the 30% the second time. Um, and so, um, you know, it was tough for my mom. You know, she says, you know, nobody, no mom's supposed to lose their child before them. Um, and so we had to have some really um, hard conversations. But I would also say um, she made probably changes in her life. I made changes in my life. Um, I decided to retire at age 51, which um, I would have never done um, 
if I hadn't, and I don't think if I had gotten diagnosed even the second time. I think the first time, if everything would have went, quote unquote, okay, I would have worked um, just because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but it really, that, that reoccurrence gave me a real look at what am I doing with my life and more importantly, what has God had, what was his plan for my life and what can I do um, to make sure I'm fulfilling that. How else did your lifestyle change? Were there new things incorporated into your lifestyle? Yeah, I think that um, for me, I um, I changed my diet the first year. And some of that really just had to do with, with colorectal cancer. Sometimes there's just foods that you no longer can eat. Um, I would also say, though, there are foods that, you know, um, which again goes to our American culture for colorectal, um, we really aren't supposed to eat much red meat. And as a society, we're not supposed to eat much red meat, but that's not what happens here. So that was probably the biggest one. Um, But I would say that, you know, I worked full time through it. Um, I worked in a job that I was probably 60 hours a week. Um, And so even though I knew I should be doing some exercise and things, I was too tired. Um, and especially after that first year, um, after treatment, your body's just recovering. And so when I had the reoccurrence and started looking at some things, I really said, you know, you can keep on doing life how you did before and look where it got you. Um, and not that there's any guarantee, but, you know, the research, especially for um, colon cancer, is exercise is a is a huge um, lowers the risk for reoccurrence and so um, I really can't afford um, to not do my part I guess is what I'm saying again you know it's within God's plan and whatever you know when it's time for me to go home I go home Um, but I want to make sure I'm doing as much as I can plus the fact that I feel much better you know today I take two Zumba classes a week. I do a cardio class a week and um, I adopted a rescue dog, which helps me walk every day. Um, So yeah, there's a, and and honestly, I couldn't figure out how to do those things when I was working 60 hours a week either. So you incorporated these things, this, this new exercise into your life to be a good steward of the body that's entrusted to you as a gift from God. How did you find exercise that worked for you. I know many people face the same thing, the same scenario you did that, uh, it was just, it's, I'm too tired. I don't have time to exercise. I work X amount of hours a week. I work 50 hours, 60 hours. I don't have time to exercise. I'm exhausted. How did you find something that worked for you? Um, I had known about a program through the YMCA that lives strong Um, that they offer a program for cancer survivors. And I finally made the phone call. Um, I had known about it for a while. Um, And this, I I made the phone call before I retired and I went and saw them and it was a um, program where they give you a three month membership free at the Y. And they also then do a um, one-on-one and group support with other cancer survivors. And so that was kind of where I felt like somebody was going to help me know what I could do and what was helpful. So I did that program and um, came out of that and have continued um, on it. And I think the other thing, like I said, even though I use the excuse that I was working too much, um, you know, I tell people all the time today, even if you can just, if you can walk 30 minutes 
um, three to five times a day. So if you've, you know, you've got a dog or you can walk around the, the block, any amount of additional exercise that you weren't doing before helps lower that risk. Karen, walking has been key for Christy in terms of getting into regular exercise. I mean, she, she mentioned Zumba and a cardio class as well, but I think one key, one thing that she lit up about when she was talking about exercise was she adopted a, a, a rescue dog that that helps her stick to that commitment of, of walking on a regular basis. Yeah. How is walking key to uh, good health when it comes to cancer, whether it's prevention or um, follow-up? Well, the truth is, is that there's a lot of um, statements and things that people end up saying of do this and it can help prevent cancer, do that and have it help prevent cancer. And everything typically has a limited amount of um, truth to it in that it really is something that goes across all the aspects of cancer. However, if you get into the studies and you really start looking at the clinical trials, what you'll find is that, what do you know, there is one thing that pretty much all the land of oncology agrees on, and that is that exercise, moderate, consistent exercise, will end up reducing your risk of cancer. And so um, that's definitely for, true for folks who have never had any incident of cancer in their life at all. And the statistics even soar for folks who have had cancer in that exercise can end up reducing the risk of the cancer coming back. Uh, and so it just makes good sense. And I'll tell you, I think it is one of these well-kept secrets. You know, I think there's this tendency that we hear about people getting diagnosed and we're like, oh, my gosh, I wish there was something I could do so that didn't happen to me. But we don't think there is anything, you know. Uh, and so because of that, uh, Cancer Companions has come up with a new program where we're doing a prevention awareness program called Take a Hike from Cancer, which is all focused on let's just get the word out so that people discover that moderate, consistent exercise can reduce your risk of cancer. I think our, our reluctance to exercise is we often think of something that's just either excruciatingly painful or difficult. Like we, we picture, you know, lifting weights or, you know, you know, something just completely exhausting. Like we're, we're talking about wearing brisk- spandex. I mean, that's, that's the issue here. I, I think for a lot of us, it has to do with the wardrobe issues. So. Well, you bring up a good point, though. Having I, I this is one of my philosophies. I think having the the appropriate clothing that you're comfortable in is motivating to exercise, too. Exactly. You know, having clothing, workout clothes that you're comfortable, that you feel like you look good in yes not something like oh i can't wear that well but we get bombarded with these images right you know that everybody that exercises has these incredibly perfect bodies you know and so you're supposed to have the perfect body so that you can get the spandex so that you can exercise (laughs) and so yeah i think there really is a piece of just being able to say it's just for folks like me Mm -hmm. it's just for folks like me and walking is the kind of thing that is for anybody so we're talking about brisk walking Mm -hmm. that that Gets you breathing. Yes. Gets you, your heart pumping a little bit. We're not talking about totally exhausted. Now, it might be the first few times you go. Right, <laughs> Depending right. on what your, yeah. your your exercise has been like in the past. But uh, getting some exercise, uh, going out for a brisk walk. Now, the, this campaign, Take a Hike yes. from Cancer. Tell me about that. Well, um, the idea is to be able to get the word out uh, and have ways for people to get their loved ones to start to engage. Excuse me. And so if you think about it, uh, most walks um, focus on a certain number of hours on a Saturday morning. So what we're doing is we're saying, no, we need to have a habit. And so to have a habit, we want to take at least a week to be able to do that. So we're taking the week of June 4th through 10th. 
and we're asking folks all over the country to just pledge how many times they're going to walk that week. Are they going to walk two times, three times, or four or more times? That's all. They're just going to pledge how much that they're going to do that. And then what we're asking you to do is to challenge other people that you love, who you know are not doing it like they need to be, to be able to go out and do the same thing. And so that's part of the energy that we're trying to be able to, to generate, mm-hmm. almost like an ice bucket challenge of people starting to do videos and challenge one another and say, come on, I'm going to take a hike for cancer. How are you going to take a hike for cancer? What are, uh, we have just about a minute left and I want to share some more information so folks can find it, but I got to ask your favorite place to hike before we, uh, before we go to that information. Christy, do you have a, do you like to hike? Um, I am not a hiker. I am a walker. <laughs> so I, uh, I, my neighborhood is actually yeah. my favorite place. Um, it's a great way to get to know your neighbors. Um, and I live in the city, so I have lots of parks to choose from also, which I love. Karen, how can we find out more about Take a Hike from Cancer? Take a hike from dancer.com. Uh, you just type it on in there and you'll go to it and you'll end up finding out how to be able to sh- uh, challenge other people with a video or how to be able to state your own claims and how to be able to make a difference in your life. And there's lots of materials out there from devotionals and um, prayers and all kinds of things to help you. Uh, stay focused on doing this. Take a hike from cancer.com and the big push is coming up this summer, you said? Yep. June 4th through 10th is when we're focusing on asking people to pledge uh, how much that they're going to hike that week. June 4th through the 10th, uh, take a hike from cancer.com. Our, our time is up. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you, Karen, for being my guest today. Cancer Companions as well, cancer-companions.org. You can find out more information there as well. Up next, we're going to revisit a conversation on the benefits of hiking. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.